0: Today, we're going to be looking back at, back to Mark. We're going to be in Mark 5, 21 through 43. It's the story of two healings, and it's kind of a long text, but a, but a really cool one. So let's take a look at it. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was there by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with Jesus. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and will be made alive. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, and instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes... I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but is asleep, but they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were there with him and went into where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talatakumi, which means little girl, get up. And Immediately, the girl stood up and she began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And Father, I just want to thank you For this day and this time in your word, I just pray that you would bless us as we enter into it. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, would be acceptable in your sight and would bring you joy. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today we find Jesus. He's back in Capernaum. He's back into Jewish territory, and this is what happens. Jesus arrives on the shore. There's a huge crowd waiting for him, and coming through the crowd is a a synagogue ruler. His name is Jairus. Now, Jairus was somebody important. He was someone influential, and he was a ruler in the synagogue. Now, up to this point in Mark's gospel, you probably have noted that the religious leaders of the day were not generally happy with Jesus. They were kind of threatened by Jesus. But Jairus, on the other hand, is desperate. We see it right there in the text. says, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded with him, pleaded with him earnestly. Now, for Mark, in Mark's gospel, one of the things we see is that proximity is important right? How close someone is to Jesus physically tells us something about their relationship with Jesus. And for for Jairus, we see that Jairus comes through the crowd and it says he runs right up to Jesus. He's right there close with Jesus. So that proximity is important. But in Mark's gospel, posture is also important, right? So, so posture tells us something about the character uh, of what is going on. And so with Jairus, we see he runs right up to Jesus. That's the proximity. He's close physically to Jesus. And then what does he do? His posture. Well, we see that he falls at Jesus' feet. And so this is a posture of humility. This is a posture of respect before Jesus. He's making it clear that that he is desperate for Jesus that he needs Jesus and then Jairus begs Jesus because he has a very serious problem his little daughter is sick and she is dying And he knows his only hope is Jesus, and so he runs to Jesus in front of the the whole crowd. He runs to Jesus, and he humbles himself, falling at Jesus' feet in front of everyone, and he begs Jesus to go with him. And of course, Jesus does respond here to Jairus, right? And I think what we see is that when we come near to Jesus and when our posture before Jesus is one of humility and respect, that Jesus always responds. Now, Jesus doesn't always respond in the way we might hope or in the way that we might want or in the timeline that we might expect, but but Jesus will always respond. Now, the story kind of makes a shift here as we come to verse 25. It says, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and she had spent all that she had, but instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. So we still have this situation going on with this large crowd that's around Jesus. And the crowd is sort of thronging about. They're going with Jesus as he is headed to Jairus' house to, to attend to Jairus' sick daughter. And then there's this woman who approaches Jesus in the midst of the crowd. And, and the Bible says that she had a discharge of blood for 12 years. 12 years of bleeding. This is it's a really long time, right? She's been really unwell. She's been really sick. She's been really uncomfortable for a very long time. And I think it's worth pausing here for a moment to think about what it would have been like for this woman, right? To have this, this discharge of blood that wouldn't stop, that she couldn't control for 12 years, That's the physical side of it. I mean, if I get a cold, right, I'm not a very good patient, right? Last weekend, I got like a 24-hour stomach thing, right? I thought I was gonna die. 12 years. That's the physical side of it. The spiritual side of it for this woman is this, that she's bleeding, and because of the Old Testament law, if you're bleeding, you're unclean, and so she's been unclean for 12 years, and because of that... She, she would have been unable to participate in the, the spiritual life, the worship life of her people for 12 years. And if you touch someone who is unclean, then that makes you unclean, which probably means that not only had she not been able to participate in the spiritual life of her people for 12 years, but she probably had not experienced much in the, in the realm of human touch or human embrace. For 12 long years. So she would have been excluded from her people. And I think that's why the touch here from Jesus matters so much. Now, the text tells us this also. It says that she had suffered much at the hands of of many physicians. So she had gone to a lot of doctors, she had spent a lot of money, and in fact, her condition had gotten worse, not better. So there was more suffering for her her from the the poking and prodding of these doctors, these men who really didn't know what to do for her. And so she spent all that she had. She's now destitute. She's not better, but she's worse. All her resources had been spent. She's broke. She's alienated from the religious life of her people. She's alienated from... From the social life of her people, she's experienced no touch or embrace for 12 years, and she's no better. In fact, she is worse. And I think the text here gives us kind of this contrast or this juxtaposition here. We've got Jairus. He's a person of great importance and great influence in his community. But he is desperate, and he does all the right things. He comes to Jesus. He falls at Jesus' feet. He begs Jesus to heal his daughter. And and that's sort of juxtaposed with this bleeding woman, right? That's how she's described, the bleeding woman. What's her name? She's not given a name. She's not a person of influence or importance in her community. She's a nobody, She's a nobody, she's broke, she's ostracized, she's excluded, she's outcast. But just like Jairus, she's desperate. She is desperate for Jesus, she's heard about him, and so she sort of slips through this this thronging crowd thinking to herself, if I can only get close enough just, just to even touch, just to touch his clothes. Then I'll be made well. I mean, this is a bold move by this, by this woman. And then the text tells us in verse 29, it says, she touches Jesus, Jesus' clothes, and then immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. So immediately, right? Immediately she touched Jesus, she's healed of her disease. So we see, said proximity is important in these texts, right? She see, we see this proximity to Jesus. She comes close to Jesus and she finds healing. And then in verse 30, at once Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes, right? And then the disciples are there. They say, hey, you see, there's people all around you, right? You're in a crowd, how can you ask who touched you? But Jesus kept, he kept looking around to see who had done it. He knew something had happened. And of course, he, you know, he's, he's in a crowd, right? They're all thronging about him. Of course, people are touching him. Of course, he's being jostled about by the crowd. And yet, what he knew. What he knew was that power had gone out from him, that something had happened. He felt it immediately. All right, there's that word again that we see over and over in Mark's gospel immediately. And he stops and he looks around. The disciples are like, Come on, Jesus, right? Of course, people are touching you. We're in this big crowd. But Jesus knew something different was up and he's looking around to see who had done it. And then verse 33 tells us, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. She told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So the woman's afraid, right? For 12 years, she's experienced suffering, embarrassment, humiliation, pain, and, and loss at the hands of men. And I can't help wonder if there's a little, bit, little part of her that's thinking maybe Jesus is going to be like all those other men who couldn't do anything and who made it worse. But she comes before him in fear and trembling. She, she's afraid. The text tells us she fell down before him now we've seen that before haven't we back in verse 22 you saw Jairus he comes to Jesus and he fell down before him he fell at his feet near the woman um, she's gotten close to Jesus now her posture changes to one of desperation and humility and she fell down before him and you notice what the text says she told him The whole truth. And I think perhaps this is the the crux of the text. So don't miss that. She told him the whole truth. She tells him, I think what that means is she told him her whole story. Right there. The middle of the whole crowd. And, And you remember, while this is going on, The synagogue leader's daughter is sick, near to death, right? There is urgency in this situation as they are headed to his house. Yet Jesus stops and he listens to her whole story, her 12 year long story. I think one thing this is signaling to us is that this was probably not like a quick recounting of the story. This was like her whole story. This was a long conversation. And then Jesus calls her daughter. And he tells her, you know, in that moment that her faith has healed her. And he tells her to go in peace, this woman who had known no peace for 12 years. He tells her to go in peace. She had known only suffering, and now she has Shalom. And then the story kind of shifts back to Jairus and his daughter, who's dying. Right, verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, speaking to the woman, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. They say, "Your daughter's dead." Why bother the teacher anymore? Can you imagine what it must have felt like to be Jairus in that moment? He's done everything right. He's run to Jesus. He's fallen at his feet. He's begged him to heal his daughter. And then along the way, Jesus stops because this woman touches him in the midst of a really busy crowd. And then he stops and listens to her whole story, her 12-year-long story. And while Jesus is dawdling with this woman, answering her need, listening to her story, news comes that all is lost. The girl is dead. This part of the story, it, it always kind of speaks to me, and I'll tell you why. It often feels to me like like God's answering everybody else's prayers, except for mine. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe so. And I can't help believe that that's what Jairus is feeling in this moment, right? He watches Jesus heal this woman. And while Jesus was spending time doing that, Jairus loses his daughter. He had done everything right. But now it seems like it was too late. Then Mark writes in verse 36, Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, told Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe. Pay attention here. Because we've got repetition. And in the Bible, or Particularly here in Mark's gospel, Mark uses repetition to drive home a point. So when there's repetition, when the same words are used, when the same themes come up over and again, pay attention because the writer's trying to tell you something here. And so we see it, both with Jairus in verse 22 and the bleeding woman in verse 33, right? They they both fell at Jesus' feet in humility and respect. Tells, that sort of drives a particular point home. Then we see it again here, the same words in verse 33. The woman became, came before Jesus in fear and trembling. And Jesus tells her, Your faith has made you well. Likewise, here in verse 36, Jesus says, Do not fear, only believe. Right? He's replacing the negative thing, fear, with the positive thing. Belief, right? It's it's like Jesus is saying, Jairus, you've already seen me heal this woman, right? Stick with me. Stay with us here, right? Even though it may feel like right now your prayers are not being answered, stay with me, Jairus. And then in verse 37, Jesus didn't let anyone follow him to Jairus' house except... Peter and James and John. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion. People were crying. They were wailing loudly. So the girl is dead. Everybody knows the girl is dead. They're mourning her death. In verse 39, he went in. He said to them, what's all all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead. She's just asleep. And then The people laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. And then he put them all out. And he took in the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. And they went in to where the child was. So really quickly here, this is worth worth noting. What Jesus does here is he takes those with faith and he brings them into the house. And he takes those who laughed at him, those without faith, those who mocked him, And he puts them outside the house. And so I think this is on purpose that Mark makes note of this, that Jesus is taking the outsiders and he's bringing them in. And he's taking the insiders and he's putting them out. There's a physical representation going on here of what is happening spiritually. And then verse 41 Jesus takes the girl by the hand. He says to her, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. She wasn't like a little tiny baby. She was 12. She could get up and walk around. kumi, little girl, Arise. This is the same word for resurrection. She is brought back from death to life. This is a foretaste of what is to come with Jesus, his death and resurrection. And and immediately, there we have that word again, immediately the girl gets up. She begins to walk around. Did you notice the age of the girl? 12. Did you notice the woman, the woman with the bleeding? How long she had been bleeding? How many years? 12. There's an echo in both of these stories that's pointing us to the same thing. The girl's just, she's 12. She's just coming of age. She's given new life. And this woman, she's been sick for so long. And she too is given new life. Then verse 43, at this point, They, the people, everyone, they were completely astonished. And Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And then he told them to give her something to eat. So a few thoughts on that last verse. Jesus let the whole crowd hear and know about the bleeding woman's story, right? I mean, she fell down at his feet and she told him her whole story right there in the midst of the crowd. There was no secrecy about it. Everyone knew. Everybody got to witness that. Last week in the text that Dana preached on, the, the healing of the Garrison's demoniac, right? At the end of that text, Jesus tells him to go and to tell everyone what he had done for him, right? So everyone can know. There was no, no no hiding what had happened, but in this instance with the girl, it's a new revelation, and Jesus isn't ready for that to get out yet. Now we do see in the progression of Mark's gospel that more and more Jesus is revealing himself. You know, he did it last week. Go and tell the Gentiles. He did it with the woman. Nothing was kept secret there. Yet, this is a greater revelation that Jesus has power even over death itself. And he seems to not quite be ready for that word to get out. Now, also with verse 43, what's up with this? Give her something to eat right, give her something to eat. Sort of an odd little little addition there. Um, we, we actually see this in, in Luke's gospel in chapter 24. Jesus gathers with the disciples after his resurrection, and they eat together. Jesus eats fish with his disciples. And I, and I think why that is important is because it's telling us that both for this girl and for Jesus that the, the resurrection from the dead, it wasn't just a spiritual resurrection, It wasn't that this girl was now like a ghost, right? Because ghosts don't eat. But that she was very much physically raised from the dead. And when someone is alive, they need to eat. and So give her something to eat. So I think it's telling us that, that she really was physically raised from the death. This wasn't just a spiritual thing. Now, with all that said, here's where I'd like to close today. Jairus might have been tempted to lose faith, right? In fact, I'm sure he was. He had done everything right. He had run to Jesus. He had fallen at his feet. He had begged him to heal his daughter. But while he was waiting, his daughter died. Yet Jairus sticks with Jesus He stays close to Jesus. Even when Jesus didn't answer his prayer in the way that he wanted or expected. He stuck with Jesus. And because Jairus stuck with Jesus, he got to see and participate in something even better that he would have missed out on otherwise. Something he couldn't have even imagined, right? There's no framework for resurrection So friends, here's how I want to encourage you this week. There will be times when Jesus does not answer your prayer in the way that you hoped or expected. There will be times when Jesus does not answer your prayer on the timeline that you want your prayer to be answered in. And yet this text teaches us that if we stick close to him, if we stay by his side even so, that he will answer. It just may not be in the way that we hoped or expected. If we stick with him, we'll often end up seeing something even greater. Likewise with the bleeding woman. Maybe you have suffered over something for... A long time for her it was 12 years probably felt like an eternity perhaps you've endured a difficulty or a hard season it feels like forever yet for her for this bleeding woman waiting so long jesus still gives her what she needs and even more he gives her a healing touch physically, and he also calls this nameless woman daughter, daughter. He hears her whole story. He sees her. And friends, it would certainly have been easier if, if for her she had never gotten sick, or it certainly would have been easier if God had healed her a long time Before. Yet in the waiting, Jesus still met her and met her in a way that would have been beyond her wildest expectations. And so I think this text for us is is perhaps an invitation to persevere. To persevere. To trust Jesus. Even as he works on his timeline And on his terms, and not on ours. And for those who come to him, who humbly seek him, who persist with him, who wait on him, they will receive far more than they ever asked or imagined. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for this time together in your word as a family of faith. We pray that by your spirit, you would continue to press this deeply into us, that you would give us that spirit to persist and to persevere even when things aren't happening just like we want them to. We, had, we acknowledge, Lord, for many of us, we're control freaks. And when things don't happen just the way we want, we do get easily discouraged. But I pray that we would stick close to you, that we would stay by your side, that we would run to you and fall at your feet and trust you, that you would give us more than we could ever ask or imagine. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus, for the salvation we have in his name, and we do pray. Amen. Amen.